0: This the 247 Real Talk It's a pleasure to be here with you once again This is your host Julian Perry And on this episode In trying to keep my promise And keep things In the news Current So that our conversations can be meaningful And progressive I'm going to chat a little bit about the Georgia runoff race That finished just Yesterday So today is at the time of this recording, is December 7th, 2022. And the re- runoff race was December 6th, 2022. So sit back, relax, grab yourself something to eat or drink, and uh, I'll be right back. So welcome back to 247 Real Talk Podcast. Again, it's my pleasure to be here with you um, for my audio podcast listeners uh, for the episodes that air every Friday at 1 a.m. And for my mogul TV network viewers on the episodes that air every Monday night at 9 p.m. So let's have a quick conversation, not a long podcast, but let's talk about the Georgia runoff race. Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Now the race is over. The incumbent not won. But that's not the significant takeaway from this race. And I'm not talking about um, necessarily the content of the race. I'm talking about something that I've mentioned over and over again, and that is the need for us to really expand our minds and look for alternatives to the partisanship that exists in this country. I've always thought that a simple way to elect a leader by the people for the people is to choose someone that has the most popular ideology, right? That person will get the, more vo- the most votes. So have a group of people, whenever every four years, decide that they're running for a president, Let them start, you know, start having an early deadline and let them start debating. Have some, I guess, multiple primary votes where for each one you eliminate them. And and they don't necessarily have to be people going to the polls, right? You can figure out different ways of voting. We live in the technology age, electronic age. Um, As long as we have a secure system that can't be breached or hacked, um, we have a way to do this. But the key here is to eventually end up with the the major primary and then the election. And so at that point we'll be down to two candidates with two ideologies, or with two things or two perspectives on a on a on a larger scale of the things that the people of this country need. And then they go toe-to-toe on election day. Whomever wins then forms their cabinet of what I'm sure would Unless this anomaly would be of like minded people who are helping to progress that same agenda that that person was voted for, and since it's simply on a majority of votes you know the the ability for them to lose the next time around if they fail to do that is a lot easier because we've done away with the partisanship now one some people may wonder why is he so much against Partisanship, And I've, I've mentioned this a few times in a few previous episodes, but this race in Georgia was a great example. Raphael Warnock was an incumbent. Herschel Walker is an ex, what, football player? Zero political knowledge. Speeches that made absolutely no sense and were completely misdirected. Out-of-this-world comments... Nothing politically grounded and no evidence that he could carry out and execute what was needed as a senator for the people of that state. So how did he manage to be one of the two people in the runoff that got so close to Raphael Warnock and how did he manage to get that many votes in the runoff even though he lost? There's only one thing that comes to mind and my mind and probably it should be yours And that is people voted along party lines. They voted Republican or Democrat. They didn't vote common sense, many people. Many people probably can't even tell you what Herschel Walker stands for, not that he stands for anything, but many people can't tell you anything about him. You know what's amazing? Have you ever had a conversation with someone who is backing a candidate that's obviously just a misfit, and the candidate comes out and makes a speech, and I'm saying this because once I say it, you will recognize it in more than one candidate over the last few years. But the candidate comes out and makes a speech that's absolutely nonsensical and ridiculous, and you have this intelligent person or what you deem to be intelligent by all their other appearances as you, for the years you've known them stand in front of you and try to justify and make sense out of Nonsense just so that they could validate a candidate, when you look at them and you know deep down inside, there's no way they actually believe what they're saying to you. But they need to because they're not defending the candidate, they're defend, defending the Republican or Democratic Party. They're being a, a, a loyal partisan party member. When we look across this great nation of ours, we see a plethora of of, of of practices, of, of cultures, of everything. We also see this you know, a, a significant number of struggles, a significant number of pain. And when we elect people to office who supposed or are supposed to have the job of helping us, one would assume that they also must be people who have the intelligence, the wherewithal, the ability to execute. What we were asking them to do, when you're going to put someone in office just because they represent your party, knowing that if they're they're sort of going to be in that position that if anyone wants their their opinion, they'll have to give it to them. Knowing that when you put someone into into politics who has zero knowledge, that in many cases it's easy for that person to be swayed to vote in a certain way by the other members of their party. There's no independence of mind because there's no knowledge to be dependent on. So we as a nation are puppets for Washington. We We as a nation are puppets for politicians. They're dangling us like with strings against each other, pitting us against each other by using the tool of partisanship, making us believe that when we go into a voting booth that we have to vote our party. I personally went to a voting booth before and I was told, I asked what party I was registered with and then I, the the attendee there, the, the lady said, okay, you vote right down this side. No. I vote for the best person. That means sometimes crossing party lines because you basically know that the one, you know, the 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 lesser of the two evils is not the person in your party. And why is this important? Let me tell you one more reason why this is important. We have a uh, a senate race where both candidates were people of color. And. It is my belief, and you can disagree with me, that's what dialogue is about, that's what real talk is about. And, and, and let me preface this by saying, please don't get upset, agitated, you know, scream and yell. No, this is conversation. I never get on this mic and claim to be uh, holier than thou, mightier than thou, or always right. no. This is my perspective, and this is my attempt to get you involved in the conversation. When you have a state, as I go back to uh, what I was saying with two candidates that are both people of color, and you see a scenario like this where one candidate has zero political background, has zero ideology, zero ideas, and in the last few weeks or or the last month or two before the, the, the election, all sorts of background information came out. For crying out loud, this was a gentleman whose own children brought exposed the indecency or, or some alleged indecent parts of his life. Always using the term alleged because there was never never anything proven with Herschel Walker. Let's get that straight, okay? And in this world, I always say alleged because sometimes things seem valid on face value and they're not. I don't personally know his story, so I'm not going to judge him. But the point is, what I will judge is hearing from his speeches is he has no political knowledge. So why was he there? And the only logical assumption that you can make is that he was put there in an environment that needed another person of color to go against the incumbent who was a person of color. They're looking at this, or this in, a, in, a, in a sort of statistical manner an ethnic matter, and saying, how can we beat this guy and have him part of our party? So they pursue him and convince him to run and convince him that he can win, knowing fully well that he doesn't have the knowledge, but also knowing that whomever they put up for their party, he will get a ton of votes because their members will vote for their party regardless of whether it will bring the country down or not. They know that there are loyal members who are loyalists to not to logic, not to knowledge, not to practicality, not to the greater good, but to the party. And this is something that's just not an American issue. We see this happen all over the world, wherever there are parties that distinguish themselves from each other. And so... Here we have a case where someone again who who got you know he got pretty close. I mean, if you look even at the runoff, he wasn't that far off of, of Warnack and to get that many votes and have no clue of how to lead after that, but simply get them because you're a member of a party is not even a fault of the party. It's a fault of us the people. The first thing we need to do as Americans is stand united irrespective of race, creed, color, and party affiliation. We need to speak to each other and figure out what's wrong, what's right, and how to fix it. You have instances where people get elected. There are a lot of people that went and voted for Warnock to help him to get into power. And for many people, the, the idea behind it is People of color are struggling so much and are still so far behind that they're hoping that when he gets into office again, he will help forward the agenda and do something for the people that voted for him. The problem is that doesn't happen. They get into office and then they forget us until they need their vote, our vote again. We talk and we scream to the top of our lounge about our struggles and they tell us about what they're going to do and we can tell what you're going to do is not enough and they don't care. I will go right back again to student loans because it's a, it's a current and such a powerful example. I've heard people, someone said the other day, um, people had to, what did they say? people? Some people had to pay their loans. And why should these people's loans get forgiven? Who's going to pay? Who's going to foot the bill for it? Well, let me ask you a question. Who, who is footing the bill for the over trillion dollars so far we sent to Ukraine. Who's footing the bill for over the years, the, the probably the trillion dollars we sent to Iraq? And this has continued historically for so many other countries. Money that's printed by the Federal Reserve and sent to these places. And this is not a secret. Our president's talk about how much aid they give to this, these countries. Right now, our current president's talking about how much aid we give to Ukraine. Do the Ukrainians need it? Yes, they do. Do we need it? Yes, we do. Charity begins at home. You can give this aid to help people who are struggling in another country across the world but you can't do it for your own people at home and you have excuses about who's going to foot the bill. We are footing the bill. We the same people who are repressed, are footing the bill for all the wars and all the mistakes made by the leaders of this country. So don't exclude us and say and, and push us aside and be so unforgiving for people who have struggled so hard especially when people took student loans out for the right reasons end up being treated the wrong way. But I don't want to digress. I just have to bring that in because it's a powerful example of now. Here we are in the Supreme Court arguing a case when someone should say, and other countries, I've seen videos where politicians from other countries that are doing quite well economically talk about our laugh at our system and laugh about the fact that students are, de- are burdened with $1.7 trillion in debt, and the richest country in the world doesn't know how to get rid of those loans and forgive them. The richest country in the world, who is benefiting from the education of those same people, can't see it in their hearts and in their system to figure out a way to remove the burden. Even if you give some incentive to those who have already paid, but to level the fee, the system is broken. Every part of student loans, the income dri- driven repayment, payment—they're all broken. Examine them for yourself, and that ties me exactly what I'm saying. Because now that Warnock is in is in the Senate again, I think every single person, those of color, and even those not, every every activist, every person who really believes in doing better for the Americans overall, and understanding that 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 they're. Parts of our society and their cultures and their ethnicities that are, have been oppressed and are struggling, and they should be an equal uh, playing field. Keep an eye on what he does. Keep an eye on how this election went. You know, for the for this year, the election in November and this runoff, and the fact that we have you know Republicans in the House now and, and Democrats in the Senate. Let's see how they're gonna come together to do what's best for the people. I know what I'm saying here. Is is a one time thing. And why I say a one time thing, because each of these podcasts I have and each of these subjects I talk about sort of have to stand alone and then stand together. I have to continue this. You will hear certain things from me repetitively, and I will not stop. I will remind you at the next elections to go back and look at the episodes and see what I spoke about in the you know four years ago or two years ago. Because the fact of the matter is when we're choosing a leader, we need to choose someone who actually has the, the ability, even you know, some ability of their own and, and has the ability to get, gather others with the knowledge to help all the people. Saying that, oh, because you know, we paid student loans how many years ago, you must pay years now. Well, that even defies humanity because we are creatures that evolve. Are we still doing the same thing that we did in the 1800s? No. The fact of the matter is we must learn and we must also admit to our mistakes. We oppressed so many people with a broken system and now we're too, what, too proud, too boastful, too arrogant to fix it? We prefer to see 45 point something million people struggle for the next how many years? We prefer to see people lose their homes and, 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 and their, their children never get a chance to realize their dreams because someone needs to be selfish enough to say, I had my slice of bread and I had to pay for my butter, so you can't have butter on your bread unless you pay for it too. I don't care how you do it. It's the same thing. We have so much hate in this society that we can't come together as people to realize that if we came together and united and force those that we elect to do do their work for the people because they're put there by the people, all of us would benefit. But instead, we stay divided. We feel that it's okay to be able to look down on people. We like to be aloof, or we like to put ourselves into a category that say, we have better than the next person next to us. I'm not sure I've ever seen a cemetery with rankings. We're all six feet under. We all have left this world when we have. And we all will leave it when we do. And there's going to be no differentiation because we're not going to leave with the yachts. We're not going to leave with the the money or the bank accounts. We're not going to leave with the selfishness. We're not going to leave with the hatred. We'll have to answer for it. But none of that's going to buy us anything on this planet. I often say that It is important to me to do what I'm doing here and speak to you and share and empower and lift and encourage. It is my belief that from the minute you have the ability to do so or the minute you learn and identify with who you are, you need to mold yourself into the person who gives back and who helps, who shares, who encourages, who is part of a solution. To me, it's a price that you must pay to occupy space on this planet. I want to hear your thoughts, and I want you to join the conversation. You can email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net, and be sure to catch my audio episodes and my video episodes on the Mogul TV network right here. So until the next time, do have a great week. I'm Julian Perry. This has been 247 Real Talk Podcast. Take care of yourselves and each other.